Welcome to the Burning Eye podcast. I'm Jen Hart. Um, on today's show, I will be chatting to Jeremy Toombs about his um, second collection, Who Knows, which came out with us in March. Um, just wanted to go ahead with a few other book announcements that we've got. So this month, um, look out for Permeable by Hannah Chutzper that comes out next week. Um, shortly followed by the debut collection, Requite, by um, Bristol-based poet Malika Kagode. Um, July, we've got an enormous amount of releases, um, um, but we're also aware that it's festival season, so if you're going to Fringe, make sure you check out She Growls, Dan Crockle, and Rob Alton, because they all have new books coming out. Um, I think that's it. Let's crack on. Context, we are sat at the kitchen table of Jeremy Toombs. We're having some tea and some water. I'm sweating because I walked all the way here and I'm uh, regretting wearing black. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a nice day. Are you, um, have you been enjoying the, the weather this, this so far this year? Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's a shame. Last week was so nice when I was in school the whole time and mm. had a few overcast days. But uh, yeah, it's England, so I don't mind too much. Went to the beach yesterday, had a picnic on the beach nice. over in Wales. Oh, good. that's nice, yeah. yeah. So you are a, uh, you're a, are you a teacher or are you a teaching assistant? I'm a one-to-one teaching assistant. Okay, great. Is that something that you do full-time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. every day. Uh, and I'm also currently training to be the attachment lead in my school. Okay, what does so that that's mean? Uh, seven trips to Milton Keynes. Okay. And then, uh, so attachment training is or attachment, attachment disorder, we all have some form of attachments, what you get with your parents or your carers, whoever raises you, and those, you know, first three years are really significant for neurological development and stuff, and if kids don't get that, it can present later, and the earlier you can kind of um, work with any type of attachment disorder, the more effective it is, so, um, yeah, it's really interesting, and I'm adopted myself, so... Uh, it's doubly interesting because I see parts of myself that I used to think were just like that's who I am. Mm. Didn't really think about how that formed, but then you can see the definite reasons why those things happen. Yeah. So yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned then that you were um, adopted, and I noticed while reading your latest book, Who Knows, um, that you talk a lot about how the importance of family and, and things. Um, it's, do you think that kind of coming from those those roots of detachment from kind of real parent, well not real parents, but biological parents. Yeah. Um, do you find that that's been a motivation in finding your identity through writing poetry? Um, I don't know. I don't know if that was ever like a motivation, like consciously. Uh, I think I think writing kind of came out of enjoying reading. I do think reading was, for me, because I've 
ever since I could read, I've just remembered reading any chance I could get, you know. I would take two books in the car in case I finished one. So I didn't want to be without a book. So, it's, I mean, you know, a lot of people read it as a sense of escapism. Mm. And I think just uh, gaining that appreciation for the written word is what is what uh, yeah. got me into poetry. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's all kind of tied together yeah. somewhere back there. Yeah. And you write a lot about your, your son. Um, so you were saying before we started recording that um, the, the first book that you wrote with Burning Eye is, was written just before or just after he was born? Yeah, it, was, well, yeah, it would have been written before and uh, in that book I have handwritten the Benjamin poems in there because I, mm. I had them written already I think when it, I think I wrote those poems while that book was in the process of getting published mm. so uh, they're handwritten in the old book but, um, so they've been around for like three years now, those, those poems were. Mm. Um, yeah. And now the new book is um, in, the, in preparation for your, your next child being born. Yeah, so, so I've got to write some new yeah, baby poems. Yeah, and there's a nice bit of symmetry in there, I guess, with, yeah. with writing. Yeah. And, there are, and those, even those baby poems, they're really, they're really like little Buddhist, kind of Taoist poems, uh, if you look at them closely, because they're all about being like, the present moment and stuff and yeah. how you know um yeah just the way of looking at things and looking at fatherhood and, and life in general yeah and uh so they they kind of tie into that as well yeah there's um a definite theme with burning eye poets that a lot of them are um a lot of the books that we publish are kind of performance-based poetry that maybe doesn't have a particular form to it mm -hmm. um you know, apart from some standards and some some rhymes and things like that, but reading your your book is um, there's a lot of form in there, and um, I'm wondering how how you feel about that transference from performance to page. Did you start performing first or writing first? <clears throat> well, um, I, my degree was in creative writing and literature, so we did we did lots of uh, you know we do study the forms a lot. But what I really got out of studying the forms, like, I really like the romantics, like, uh, especially Wordsworth. And, uh, but if you go back and look at that, like, you know, all those rules of poetry have to do with sound, like every single one of them, the, you know, rules. Mm. Um, there's a particular section in Wordsworth of the preludes, like book seven, and it's just like, it's just amazing. It's, it's really rhythmic. It's just a list of like things he sees at uh, Bartholomew's Fair, which was fairly used to do in London back in the day and um, it's just an amazing piece of, of poetry and I used, to, I used to read out my assignments out loud because I was a security guard mm. like midnight to four, four to eight so okay. I was up late, nobody around, yeah. I'd just walk up and down the halls like reading the poetry so I think getting that kind of rhythm um, helped and reading them out loud and hearing those words and yeah. you know those, those guys especially like the guys who like paid a lot of attention to meter uh, Especially the romantics, like and you know, back to Shakespeare, they would have, uh, you know, they they considered every single syllable, you know, when they were writing of course, yeah. a lot of times. So, yeah. I mean, I think that the idea that there's a division is a bit unfortunate because mm. all the and all the poets I like, I've got them on my my iPod. You can go all the way back to Walt Whitman mm. and get recordings of actual poets, and so, you know, the most popular poets have been performing their work all this time, and they all read differently. And you can't read their work in a book and get what you get from listening to them. Yeah, you know? yeah. We were um, when we were tweeting about the release of Who Knows. Um, we had a um, a tweet back from someone called Karis, 
um, who said that she had come across and performed with you in Korea, South Korea. Um, and I read that you you spent about five years there or so. What was what was that like? I spent five and a half years there. Uh, it was amazing. I loved it. I met my I met Rebecca there, uh, my wife. Um, and I really started uh, performing over there. I mean, we did a few readings in university, but there was a there was an open mic there called the Soul Artist Network that was founded by some poets. It was just like in a GI's rock and roll bar. Okay. So it really, no, no matter what poetry you're doing, what style, you had to like get people's attention because there was a noisy half of the bar. Yeah. A lot of times, so it was a really good place to start to start. Uh, reading poetry and that was every two weeks we went there and that's uh that's where i met my wife she was singing she's a singer songwriter okay. and art uh, musician in general yeah. um but i loved korea i wrote a lot over there and i didn't write that much about korea while i was there it's there in the poems if you know if you know where to look mm. uh you don't really write sometimes you don't you know you're not a tourist in your own country yeah so I wasn't, it was just living in Korea, it was just, I was just living, you know. Mm. So, um, but it was a good, it was a really good place to kind of, to kind of grow up, if you will, like to become an adult, So I'm still trying to do, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, it did, it did a lot for, I, I got into Asian poetry while I was over there as well. It was really hard to find Korean stuff in good translation, but that's okay. when I, I started getting into the Chinese stuff, mm. uh, like the old like Tang Dynasty kind of stuff around seven hundred. Then that was through the Beats. Okay. Um, so like going back to like thinking about university, I was into the Beats. I was just getting into the Beats at the same time I was like studying all the like uh, more traditional poetry, and that was kind of, you know, that was kind of a, a education on my own on the side and amongst my friends as well. Yeah. When he went around like the when he went around the uh, workshop circle and people talked about who they liked, you know, half the people said the beats, you know. Yeah. And um, so that all that all, you know, focus the beats had's always been there as well. But that comes from, you know, that kind of spontaneity they put into the writing goes back to like uh, haiku and then further back to like Zen poetry because just of the moment it's there. There's there's what's happening, you know. The mm. sun shines on the green leaf. It's midday. Uh, I'll have a sandwich soon, or something like that, mm. you know. And that's that's your poem. It's yeah. there. So there's there's a link there that goes through Asia and then through the beats, and then somehow got to Western Kentucky. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's always kind of been there since I've really been like studying poetry, I guess. Yeah. And um, Korea was a good place to kind of because even though there wasn't that much Korean poetry that I could find at the time. Uh, still kind of that same kind of, uh, like, mindset. Like, I want to be careful about stereotyping a group of people, but there, there is a different mindset. It's a more socialist with a small S. I started to say a small C. Like a small <laughs> S, because they kind of look out for each other. And, like, you know, if you see a kid in the street doing something, you can, like, anybody can kind of be like, no, don't do that, what are you doing? Mm. Or if you do that over here in America or something, you know, it's... it's Probably not a good idea, you know. Anything, yeah. anything could happen. Yeah. But um, Korea was very safe in that in that kind of regard. Okay. But also, just just getting the idea that there was a different way of thinking about things was, I guess, the what I'm trying to get to the real kind of mm. eye opener. It's like, well, there's a, you know, there's different ways of thinking. Because yeah. I grew up in a very conservative, religious place. Like, my town's got like, had two thousand people when I was a kid. 
There are like 11, 12, 13 churches. Okay. And uh, so yeah, very, it's in the Bible Belt, you know, very religious, conservative place. And so it was really good to go someplace that was completely different. Although Korea is the most like Christian country in Asia. Yeah. The biggest, biggest uh, Christian church in the world. Oh, so. okay. Cool. So, uh, coming from, you know, Ken Kentucky and then kind of ending up here in, in Bristol and travelling all, all around the world, um, what was your motivation to, to travel? Well, that little town of 2,000 people was all the motivation I needed, <laughs> yeah, you know. I guess, yeah. Because there, there, there was just nothing in our town, you know. There was a, there was a, there was a, you couldn't even buy alcohol there, which wasn't a concern when I was a kid, obviously, but. There was a that's bar. why you left when you were older then, <laughs> There was a bar just across the state line, and like uh, it's one of the only things there. That guy, rumor has it, that that guy used to work for my aunt, and he like stole cattle from her or something and make money for his bar. So, oh, okay. Uh, so that's, a, uh, it's very, yeah, very small town. Mm. Not very many like restaurants, the one bar, and uh, Yes, not a lot to do. You have yeah. to go to Clarksville to do anything, or Hopkinsville, or to Nashville. Yeah. And um, which, when you're a kid, it's fine. It's just what it is. But uh, yeah, it was pretty. And it, you know, it wasn't even boring because we we had room. We could go out in town. You know, I had more freedom there to like go out in bins. We'll have in Bristol. Mm -hmm. You know, I, yeah. I won't. I won't tell him he can ride his bike 15, 20 minutes away and go into town and stuff. You know, until he's much mm -hmm. older. But I could do that when I was eight, nine years old because yeah. you know everybody. So you know. Advantages and disadvantages, but I couldn't wait to get out. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to university, it wasn't very far away, and then I was going to move to like Seattle or somewhere up there, and while I was in Seattle, I found a job in the paper, well, I saw an ad, all it said was teach English in Korea, something like that. Okay, so that's how you ended. Yeah, when there. I saw it, I was like, well, that's that's what I'm doing. I didn't really have to make a decision, it's like, that's the obvious thing to do. My dad was in the military. He'd been to Korea a couple of times, so I knew something about it. Yeah. And so those kind of threads that came together that got me yeah. into Korea. So why Bristol? Well, because uh, we decided to move back to the UK, and my wife knew something of Bristol. Yeah. Um, she knew like its reputation as a city for like arts and music and poetry and that kind of stuff. Mm. And because when we were in Korea, we we made the decision for our visit just because she knew about it. She's got an aunt and uncle here, okay. uh, Helen and Mike. But if you look in the old book, there's a couple of poems to the Darbys, okay. things that happened at their house, uh, Darby Garden Fox and the Darby Garden Meadow Massacre. Yeah. Um, so it was good to have some of her family here. They were a big help at the beginning. But the first thing I did when we talked about moving, I found out it was going to be Bristol was just look up open mics in Bristol and saw that there were loads mm. and I wasn't worried at all about like meeting people or anything because yeah. most of my friends in Korea had been, I'd met in an open mic and still friends with those, those people yeah. and um, yeah and those first people I met in like the first month or two you know they're the people I'm still good friends with here yeah so we just went I, I couldn't work for about six months because of you know visa okay. immigration reasons and it was great uh, since I just went to open mics every night and met lots of people, and then I started my own open mic, like just a couple of months after being here. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's still going, isn't it? Yeah, at the arts house. Yeah, over yeah. six and a half years now. Wow. Every week, with, you know, really except for like some some weeks off for yeah. Christmas and stuff like that. And, yeah, because yeah. I've had with the um, the Bristol scene. I've lived in Bristol for three three years, mm -hmm. so I'm originally from Southampton. Um, 
um, where I I was kind of a part of the the building of the the poetry scene there, I guess. And there's you know it's kind of bigger now, but when we started, there wasn't really a lot going on, and we had to kind of work tirelessly. But you know, I know that. Uh, for Clive and the the kind of start of Burning Eye got kind of born out of the the poetry community that was in Bristol at the time with you know people like Sally um, yeah. and Johnny and kind of um, and people like that. So I just wanted to um, and lots of those people aren't here anymore. They've kind of moved on yeah. and and things. So now kind of going into the the kind of poetry world here is is, is a different climate now. Um, what do you? Have you been to a lot of the the open mics and slams going on now? Not since I've not since we've had Ben. Yeah. Um, I was actually when Ben was born, I was going to help. I helped run Hammer and Tongue that year, but I realized that the initial meeting, like the first one, was like on the due date, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Somebody have a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but I went ahead and did. They were very good. It was with uh, Rebecca Tantoni mm. and Tim Bosper. And those guys are still around, and uh, so they just I just I just hosted. And they did all the organizing, which I already wanted to do anyway, despite, you know, whether I had a baby or not. Um, so I did that, but that was, like I said, three years ago now. Yeah. And, yeah, I, don't, I just go to my night now, and I just see everybody I need to see there. So what's the, uh, what's the secret for the, for the long, long-running open mics? Just show up every week. Like, I don't promote it. Uh, I don't promote it or anything. No. I just, it's just, it's just there. And it, it, there's been a couple of times where I couldn't, I couldn't make it for some reason, and I couldn't find a cover. Yeah. And I would, and it just runs itself, really. Okay. Just called, so I yeah. can't make it. Just get somebody to do it. And there's enough regulars that come through that somebody will, yeah. somebody will just step up and do it. Um, yeah, I think it's just that consistency, knowing it's it's going to be there. And um, yeah, I don't really know what the secret is. I just show up and do it. Yeah. It's nice to everybody. It's mm. about it. Very very welcoming and inclusive. It's got a very good night. It's in the basement. So people are quiet and listen. I think that's a big thing. It's a mm. respectful audience because people know if they, you know, if they want to chat, they go upstairs. Yeah. And if they chat downstairs, I tell them to be quiet. Yeah, I think it's um, I think that's it's good that you found a venue that that you can that you can use for such a long period of time. That is, uh, that is like that. You know, I've I had a conversation recently with Tommy and Malika about troubles of finding venues to do. Their, their poetry nights are hammer and tongue and milk yeah. and uh, the nightmares that they've had with trying to find you know um, good venues that um, and often they're in bars and things like that and, and yeah. that can alienate some people I think and, yeah. you know um, whereas yeah I've been to the art house before I think I did um, a, a different poetry night there once before and it's, it's a nice space it was actually one of the first places I ever went to when I when I came to visit yeah, in Bristol same for me yeah yeah, yeah. something draws you to that, yeah. that corner I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's very yeah, it's very peaceful. Um, it's it's weird though now because even even since I first visited Bristol five years ago or something, you know, Stokes Croft is now a completely change changing place. Mm-hmm. Um, um, do you think that the uh, the arts house will will stand in the face of gentrification? Well, when I'm a bit worried. I haven't heard this officially, but I was uh, as the rumor is the arts house up for sale. Oh wow! There's a couple of buyers and one. Buyers wants to kind of keep it as it is, and mm. the other one, I don't know what they want to do. So, mm. um, fingers crossed, it'll kind of we'll be able to keep carrying on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really hope it doesn't close. But but if it does, that's you know part of the part of what the change. Happens. change yeah. happens, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
we're moving to we're moving up to fish pond soon. So if that happened, maybe something else would open up up there. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be gutted. I'd be gutted if the arts house closed. I really like it. It was just like uh, it's like halfway to town when we lived up in Bishopston. So I'd stop mm. in there. And like whoever was at the bar, like had to talk to me. Are they having friends yet? You know, yeah, so yeah. I just made friends in there, yeah. and they uh, just hung out there a lot. And one night, you know, they knew they were having an open mic. They were starting one. They didn't have a host yet. I was like, I'll do it. And me and Jules Landu, who run, who who's the lead of the Zen Hussies. I don't know if you've heard of those guys. I think like I've a, had the name. Gypsy swing kind yeah. of band. Um, they're really good. I really like Jules' stuff. They got a lot of energy. You, know, you might catch them at a festival um, mm. around Bristol. But we co-hosted for a while. We'd alternate weeks. And then he was just too busy with his band. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, I took over yeah. after that. Uh, I forgot what the original question was. Yeah. <laughs> just talking about, yeah. you know, the, the change of, of Bristol as it, as it becomes more oh, populated yeah, yeah. and gentrified. And, you know, um, the, the poetry scene keeping up with that, I guess. You know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of nights in Bristol, um, but a lot of them are slams. Um, and for me personally, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't take part in so I don't really enjoy them that much, um, you know, but I appreciate a good spoken word now, you know, cause that's where yeah. most of us started, yeah. you know, especially kind of my generation of, of, of poets as, you know, we started performing at, you know, actually the, I started my very first performance, um, was at an open mic in Southampton at a venue called the art house, oh. <laughs> um, which has a very similar vibe, and I think that's why I liked the Arts House yeah. in Stokes Croft so much, because it really reminded me of, of home a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the scene's always changing it and, and kind of growing, and I think, you know, we have to cling on to the, you know... So I'm, I'm pleased that you're, you're, still, you're still taking over with it. And you, um, you used it to do your, um, your book launch... Yeah, there's, there's nowhere else I would, I would yeah. go to do it. Yeah. So. How, how was that? Did you have anyone supporting you, or is it sort of just the open mic and then... No, well, I, had, uh, I just had a few of my friends that I've known for years, the open mic, and they're kind of regulars. Uh, Andy Lankford-Woods, Tim Vosper, uh, Mark Anthony Pierce, and who else was there? I'm just leaving somebody out. Sorry, whoever I'm leaving out. <laughs> um, yeah, just some of my, my favourite friends and poets just mm. had them read and unread yeah. uh, and me and my wife we've got somebody to watch Ben so we got to go out we performed together for the first time in ages oh nice because we used to when we lived in Korea we had we had like a uh, country rock blues zen beat poetry band yeah had some really good musicians in it and then I'd do some like I guess spoken word along with it mm. and uh and we've, we've used to do stuff a lot together. And we came to Bristol because there's so much chance, choice, chance to do music and poetry. We kind of, she she did her thing for a while and I did mine because we'd done it together for so long. Yeah. Um, so it's really nice to come back and do that together again. Yeah. Um, who knows when it happened again. Yeah. Another kid on the way. Yeah, it was really nice. It was a really nice night. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't think of anywhere else. I didn't even try to think of anywhere else to have it. That's, no. That's my, it's just no hassle. I'm a no hassle kind of guy. <laughs> so, um, how do you think that you've like? Um, I mean, usually with with people that release second books with us, I usually ask you know how the process is from from writing the first one to the second one. But yours are very transient in in the sense that the second one just seems to be a continuation of the first in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just wondering, you know, how 
the experience differed for you putting the second collection together? Um, well, um, the first collection spanned like over a decade. Some of those poems went all the way back to university. Uh, and there's, a, I mean, you can kind of see a few different kind of different types of poems in there. And, uh, you know, I put, if you look back at the first one, it's in five sections that have, they all have titles. Mm. And, uh, I thought about doing that for the new one, but I just thought like it kind of flowed together a bit better. Now, kind of the way I write now, because I've got a child and a busy family life, uh, is, so in Who Knows, there's the, the first few poems are all about when I went to Kentucky mm -hmm. and, uh, so I went on my own, so I had lots of chances to write. Not actually when I was home, but like in transit. Like they all happened like in the airport, yeah, on the yeah, way there yeah. and on the way back, I think. And um, and then this, the kind of second section, I think, are about Ben, the poems about Ben, which I already had. And they're very, a lot of the poems are very short. Uh, and then you move those Korean poems. So those a lot of those Korean poems in there about hiking Bukinsan were... That was my intent for that day, was to hike in Bukinsan, which is like my spiritual home, um, and to write about it. And I actually, I wrote some of it, but I had a dictaphone as well, which mm. I just put in my pocket and record, which got the idea from Ginsberg, who did that when he was in India. Um, some of my poems in the old book are like that as well. Um, so that was so there was, that was a day, and then the Froome, the Froome River poems would have taken place in a few days but they're all like planned times to write like going mm -hmm. out with the intent like I'm going to do this and I'm going to write about it yeah um because it just it just has to be that way practically now mm. um what else about the um as far as like the, the style of the poetry I guess uh uh I've been tending towards those shorter poems just as an influence from the the Chinese, yeah. like the Zen, Chan poetry, Taoist poetry, uh, and so that's why they're it's kind of little like little snapshots, if you will, of, of like what I was seeing. And there's usually some type of like uh, I don't know how apparent it is to other people, like the kind of philosophy of Taoism, Buddhism that kind of goes through all those poems, um, but uh, like. I guess the writing, the writing itself, I'm actually writing, is still kind of the same. It's like it's mostly spontaneous. There's not a lot of like editing that goes on mm. until I start to type it up and see where like practically I need like a line break or punctuation or something. So I don't tend to, you know, the, the page will determine a lot of times in the book if I can't keep writing and you have to, <laughs> so yeah. you have to sort that stuff out when you're typing it. But like mm. content-wise, it's not very much changes. Um, and that's true of like most of the first book, like the later stuff when I just get my feet a bit more and bit yeah. know kind of how I write, how I want to write. Uh, and that kind of carries on into this book. Yeah. 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 It's quite a distinctive style. I, you know, there's um, um, lots of our poets have a very varied, you know, in terms of length and style and, and what they're doing in, in their books. Um, whereas with yours, I felt it was kind of a quite constant but not in a bad way <laughs> mm -hmm. um I um yeah I thought it was um I, I just thought I, I wasn't it wasn't what I was expected I think because I had never 
read any of the stuff previously to who knows and mm. then um, um clive gave me a copy of it and, and i read it and i really really enjoyed it um i'm, I'm quite into poets like william carlos williams and yeah. frank o'hara and mm-hmm. i enjoy that those small snippets into you know travel or like you know what you're seeing immediately and, and things like that and um yeah i thought that were, it came across really well in, in the book why why the title who knows because the the title poem who knows was it was a it was a, a poem that preceded the song who knows and i can't remember if i forgot to put it in the first book or at some point decided it wasn't going to go in the book because it went with the song and i think it should be separated but then at some point i realized that i really wanted it in the first book so i just gave it yeah. the place of honor in this yeah. book and i really like the titles but what I really like, I've always liked the upside down question marks mm. in Spanish. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of led into it as well the aesthetics of that of those question marks. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just like just like the way it sounds. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. It's a really catchy song, and so you know it's just there right away. And people say it more than you think they do, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of a nice feeling when I hear it. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Good. Um, I um, um, most of our listeners will know that I have this really bad habit of doing podcasts with people and asking them during the podcast if they would like to read a poem from the book. Um, so don't feel like you have to because I forgot to ask you before. Oh. But if you'd like to, that would yeah. be that would be lovely. I would love to. I'll just go get. Cool. Let's go get it real quick. Do a quick check on my phone. Oh, it's just gone. Any, uh, any requests? Um, maybe a favourite. I mean, if you've got, like, maybe, I know some of them are quite short, so if you've got one or two you want to read, make it a bit easier to choose. <laughs> maybe. Um, ooh, so, hard, so hard to choose. Uh, all right, you know what I really like? I really like the cut-up prose poem on the back. Yeah. So, um... I was thinking about I was thinking about what I wanted on the back, and like every book you ever buy in the world has something on the back about like how good it is. Yeah. Which uh, which is fine, <coughs> you know, but it just seems kind of obvious. Yeah. That that's what you're gonna have on the back. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I put some kind of poem on the back that summed up the book, and then I thought I'd do this cut up. Now, I used to not really like cut ups. I'm a huge Kerouac fan, mm. but I've never read his his cut up he does with um. um What's his name? Bureau Burroughs, Hippos, Bowling, something about Bowling Hippos. I did a whole novel that was cut up. But I really like Clive's stuff that he does. Cut stuff up and plays around with the words. Mm. So um, yeah. so I thought I'd do it. It worked out really well. Now, it wasn't a true cut up in mixing up the words. That It goes in order of the poems. And uh, I kind of did it on the computer. And I just, I'd look at the poem and whatever phrase jumped out at me first, I'd kind of put it down. And um, and this is what this is what came out of that. It's nice when I read this. I I read this often at the open mics. I always start out the night, and uh, and then I read a couple of other poems, and those phrases just jump out at you once you've heard it on here. So this is the who knows, cut up prose poem. I'm off to Nashville, up here at ten thousand feet. I can see on the other shore, the imprint on mine lasts longer. What could I do now but carry on? present in any form, tuned in to Billy Joe's shaver. There's nothing at all I can do about any of it. 
chicken, a biscuit, and mashed potatoes. Sun slips down the street through autumn leaves. At least we're in it together. No problem. We're animals. What? Shakespeare going in his brain. What happened? Is this good? Is this bad? Get to the mountain, Buddhist monks. Mind is home. Just gone. All day long. Big belly Buddha rock monk beyond the 10,000 rocks. The heart sutra floating through my head. That's what you get for thinking. Mountain water in my belly. Wishing I had me just one good friend here. A flash of blue flies through. How do I feel? I'd like to know what you think. Shut up. Listen. Finding secret paths. Empty. Easy. Seeing people is always good. What the hell. In the end, we are like burritos. Full of beans. Wrapped together. In the Chelsea for a pint. Did you feel lost? We lock eyes. Let me tell you something. Still quick. Sometimes still a lonely child. Breathe in. Breathe out. Freedom. He said, it's hard telling, not knowing, who knows. So that's the that's the back cover. Maybe I'll just do a little short one here yeah. somewhere. Oh, I just have to ask, was yeah. that re reference to the Chelsea down the road? Yeah, so yes. I was leaving Kung Fu. I used to work there. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, right. I was leaving Kung Fu one night and I had my staffs on my back. And mm. people often do that, ask me if they're fishing rods. Even at like nine at night, <laughs> and I was like, no, it's just my like kung fu stuff. And he was on his bike, and we'd initially started talking. This car was doing something it shouldn't been doing, and we were like, oh, cars, we're on bikes, we're better. Mm -hmm. We run down. He's like, come in, I'll buy you a beer. So we go in, and uh, he's counting his change. He didn't have enough to like buy a beer. So I was like, I'll buy you and me a beer. <laughs> and uh, I guess. I guess he's what you call like a geezer. I'm not sure what, oh, yeah. exactly what all the English terms mean, but I think he's probably a geezer. And um, so we go in the back, and he kind of he walks up to, to this other table and introduces me to him, but he doesn't tell me who their names are. And he's just like, "It's Jeremy." I have to do like the southern accent of what I imagine he might be. This <laughs> is Jeremy. He does kung fu. He's got swords and stuff in there. And the guy at the table just looks up and he's like. Like, real dead pain. He's like, you got swords? And I was like, they're just sticks. And then I stood there, and the other guy stood there, and nobody said anything. And I was like, I'm just going to go sit over there. And I just left him and sat down. It's really, it really strange and really awkward. Um, I think I'll, just, I'll read that one then, if I can find it. <laughs> the Chelsea is one of my favorite places in Bristol because there are so many weird and wonderful people there. But, yeah, you do have... Uh, there is that, that element of um, working class labourers, a lot of them, and they're all they're all pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very it's very strange. So yeah. why? I don't know. <laughs> so this this is my this was what I do Thursday nights. I go to Kung Fu, and then after Kung Fu, I go to the park and do all the other various bits of martial arts I've done, and I'm like relearning a sword form, which is the Kung Do, and do a bit of Tai Chi. Uh, Kuk Sando is this kind of Korean Tai Chi that I did for a little while, mm. and um, so this is this is Thursday night. Hung Kun Kung Fu Chelsea Park Kuk Sando Hey Dong Kung Do Tai Chi Sit Bike Ride in the Chelsea for a pint with a geezer San Miguel Crescent Moon shining down soft Moon lights the way. 
It's nice out there in that courtyard. It was a really nice night. The moon yeah. was nice and bright yeah. in the sky. Yeah, yeah when they've got, they've, um, I don't know how long ago that was, but they, um, they've redecorated the, the back and, my my one of my my best friend actually runs the Chelsea and um, oh, right. she's she works tirelessly to make it a nicer place for people to get. Well, tell her there's she's got a mention in her. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, I will. She might want it. She might cut it up and put it above the bar. Who knows? Yeah. So there it is. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? There it is. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, like you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think we'll we'll leave it there. But thanks very much for having a chat with me today and taking some time to talk about the book and everything. Yeah. Do you have any um, gig plans or anything coming um, up? What have I got? I've got uh, well, the Shambhala. Oh, I'll the see summer. you there. I'm there yeah. too. Oh, good, yeah. good. good. Um, yeah, I'm just at the Arts House every yeah. Friday night. And I read at the beginning and the end. Um, you know, obviously with a kid, it's not easy to go out but also we're really busy like I've got Kung Fu at the Arts House my wife's got something on Wednesdays we've only actually got a couple of nights together yeah. so um, you know I'm pretty happy with that I still get to read and still get to see other people read and stuff and every yeah. now and then I'll go to something I usually do in the fall I usually do the Victoria Park thing so I used to work over there okay yeah um, there's a couple of events over there in the fall that I go to and um, Shambhala Arts House Hmm. That's about it. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. It's all fun.